question that you could give the audience to help them expand or open their minds? A question. Man, what are you afraid of? What is it that makes you feel so uncomfortable? What is it that literally makes you feel like out of your own body, out of your own element? And when you find that out, identify, you know, what, what is it about that that makes me feel so afraid? And I would say lean into it. Uh, you gotta, you have to, you have to come to closure with it. Sometimes it may be like, oh, wow, I really can't do this. I just can't. It's not for me. That's okay. But when we don't ask ourselves what is it that we're afraid of, and then when we don't meet it head on, it lingers, and it stays there, and it's loud, and it gets louder and louder and louder, and it just blocks us from being able to move, right? To, to, it paralyzes us. And I think par being still in a forced way, not in a way where you've made yourself still and, and stopped everything around, but if you're being paralyzed from exterior forces, that's, that's tough. That feels, to me, I've been there, I've done that. Mm. And it feels like being trapped, being alone, being like you can't get out of it. Um, so I would say, what are you afraid of? Um, be honest with yourself. And then figure out what that means for you. Because <laughs> yeah, it's different for everybody. <laughs> you know? I, don't have the, I don't know what the answer is, but Got I just it. know that, that that question needs to be Correct. asked. Welcome, guys. Welcome to another episode of Optimizandome or Optimizing Me, the show where we invite very, very interesting and highly successful people, where we take them here to learn from their story, their habits, their tactics, and their mindset. My name is JJ Ruescas, and our guest today is a rising star in the entrepreneurial arena here in Texas. He is the co-founder and president at Blended Sense, a tech company that is disrupting the way that creative freelancers and small business owners connect. On one hand, the platform helps the creatives focus on their craft. On the other hand, it helps the business owners to generate content assets to meet their marketing needs. But he did not start like that. Actually, in his early years, he was on his way to become a baseball star when suddenly life got in the way. After rebuilding himself up, he changed careers to a completely different path, which is what years later inspired him to start his company, Blended Sense. With a relentless passion for learning and growth, this man will not stop until he reaches his goals. It is my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, Albert Weiss. Wow, I'm, I'm blushing, man. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like in the middle of that skin tone where you could tell still. A <laughs> little darker, you can't tell. Yeah. Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> Albert, it's my pleasure to have you here. We know each other for a while. And finally, I have the chance to yeah. dig into your brain yeah, and yeah. see what's, what's, uh, what's in there. So let's start with <laughs> who is Albert Bias? And what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur? Wow. Who is Albert Baez? I think Albert Baez today is a culmination and a product of experiences. Um, both uh, things that I put myself in and both and, and things that life has put me in. 
but it's years of trying things out, failing. It's years of learning and being obsessed with learning and being obsessed with the idea of, of being better and finding ways to help as many people as possible. Um, but man, my story starts as a uh, son of immigrant parents and uh, from Dominican Republic, uh, born and raised in Washington Heights, New York, and um, a, a years of, of cultivating and, and believing that baseball was the platform that was going to get us out, get me, my family out, my friends out, the platform that was going to uh, give me and my friends and my family a, a way to help our friends and our family and our community. And, and then, as you said, you know, life threw a curveball <laughs> and I wasn't ready for it. And um, uh, in that time, really what I benefited from the challenge was it removed the identity of I am what I do and reminded me that I am exactly who I am and where I need to be no matter what it is that I do. And that was kind of the breaking point. And when I understood that, what was it allowed me to get back up on my feet and, and you know, start this path in this new career. But, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. That was pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, good start. That's a good start. So let's let's go to this moment that you just mentioned. Yeah. This this what was it? It was this curveball that yeah, curveball crisis, if you will. Crisis, mm -hmm. yes, that life threw at you. Mm -hmm. What happened? Yeah. So I was, uh, it was around 21 years old already, finished uh, playing baseball in college. I played baseball in high school. Um, as, as we mentioned, you know, that was everything that I did and, and who I identified with. And uh, I felt, uh, and my support system felt very strongly that there was a career for me uh, in professional sports. And so I was pursuing that and I was playing for the Dodge City A's out in Kansas in the Jayhawk League. And it was my second season. And I had battled injuries uh, throughout my career, um, but this injury in particular happened at a time where not only was I physically drained, uh, but I was also mentally drained. I was having a lot of uh, personal relationship challenges, being away from home. I was, you know, for months at a time away uh, playing baseball, and so my relationships back home were mm. were uh, thinning, were being threatened by that, and so. I was dealing with that, and then the injury happened, uh, and the injury was a labrum uh, tear, a rotator cuff tear. Uh, and so uh, after that, I came back home and uh, had a diagnosis that after surgery, I had like a 25% chance to just get back to where I was. And where I was was not going to get me to the next level, uh, right? I still had so much to go, right, from my development perspective. And, and so I felt very defeated. And it was a combination, again, of mostly those relationships not being there. Because I think what got me so far at that point was the fact that I always had phenomenal support and great relationships. And with that not being the case in that moment in time for me, it was very hard to, mm. to bounce back and accept what had just happened and figure out what was next. And so instead, I crawled into a, a dark hole <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, really just like try to disassociate with everything and, and hide from the world. Going back to this idea of getting attached to an identity, mm -hmm. what was your thought process uh, during that dark period of, of your story? Yeah, it felt like everything I had worked for was gone. Um, it felt like uh, I had zero control anymore. I, I, I lost control. Um, 
especially the position I played being a pitcher, the ball's in my hand, right? And all of a sudden, I felt like anytime I looked at my hand, there was nothing there. Mm. Um, and I think that was the hardest part was I just had no nothing. When I woke up, what was I going to do? Who was I going to be? Mm. Who, you know, what, like what team was I on? I didn't, I was no, no longer part of a team. Um, and so those things were really hard for me day in and day out uh, to, to come to terms with, um, especially right, right as soon as it happened, right? <laughs> How did you get out of that situation? I had to go deeper and deeper into the dark hole before I even had a chance out. Um, really, it took, you know, really eight, 12, 13 months before I even was aware that I was hmm. not myself anymore, right? And that I was heading towards a place where I never thought I'd be, uh, or definitely never wanted to be in. Um, but it's funny, the same thing that sparked it and sparked that that downward spiral was the same thing that got me out of it. And uh, it was the hmm. relationships. Um, I think that I've been very fortunate in my entire life to have that support system. And that support system is what helped me get out um, at that time. Not that they weren't there when the crisis was mm -hmm. happening, but they actively, and when I say they, I mean my friends, my family, actively put their hands in the hole and try to pull me mm -hmm. out. And I think that because I was so defeated, they actually were able to pull me out. And I think if I, if I, was, um, in a, if I wasn't as defeated, I think I would have pulled against them and mm -hmm. tried to resist. Yeah, resisted. But I was just so done. And so I had surrendered, really. I, I had nothing else, right? I didn't even have juice to fight anymore. <laughs> and so uh, I think that that worked in my favor, <laughs> you know? I, I've heard in previous talks that you mm -hmm. talk about this uh, Coach Carter moment. Yeah. How, how was that? And, and what yeah. made click in, inside of you mm -hmm. to, to change? Yeah, I think the, the, the reason why that moment, that moment was basically my best friend who I grew up with, uh, who really knew me intimately in, in like how hard I worked, knew what baseball meant to me, knew uh, my friends, knew my family, right? Known me for so long. Um, it, was, it was a sharp moment because they just spoke truth and I was able to receive it, right? I didn't, for whatever reason in that moment, the way he delivered the message, the timing, the environment we were in, we were in my childhood bedroom And it was after a week or so of nobody knowing where I was. And I, like, finally appeared. And so he came to, to talk to me. And, um, man, If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that honesty, Albert. I really appreciate it. Now it's interesting. Now let me bring us back to the present. When you were saying this, how a person with a message in the right time and with the right way to deliver it changed your entire life. It's interesting because Blended says on Instagram, it's created messages, content to help people actually move in different paths, change those, those um, perceptions of reality at some point into probably, hopefully, something better, mm -hmm. right? 
through small content, through larger content. So you, you basically you're paying back. Man. <laughs> the thing is, in that moment, you know, it's it's it becomes so clear that um, not only are we not better than anyone, but that we can all do great things, right? And uh, it just reminded me that it wasn't about baseball. It was about helping people and being there for other people. And I forgot that. My case, I have similar situations where, like you said, the darkest moments, that is when the right message Mm -hmm. turns the dark into light. And I'm extremely grateful for people that showed me first help me to get my darker side, mm-hmm. which is funny. They helped me to get there so that I can learn from myself and like you said, turn things or flip things yeah. back into, yeah. into new stages. Now, Napoleon Hill in uh, Think and Grow Rich talks about how we don't really get to know who we are until a moment of crisis. Mm. And even then, you know, we all have those moments of crisis, but then it's what, what decisions do we make after that and what beliefs do we have, right? Do we make decisions around victim mentality and mm-hmm. say, well, woe is me, right? And, and forget that there's 8 billion people on earth mm-hmm. also going through pain? Or do we step up and say, wow, this came, what does this mean for me? How do I take the steps towards what I believe in, which is greatness, mm-hmm. right? Or purpose, whatever, however you want to say, right? Greatness sometimes feels like a big word or a big thing or, um, but I think it's ultimately just purpose, right? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel valuable in the world day in and day out? Mm. I think that's different for everybody. You know, I was watching a few days, a few weeks ago, the documentary called Finding, Finding Joe, uh, uh, starring <laughs> Joseph Campbell. Joe's always lost somewhere, huh? Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah it was fascinating. I didn't know that the kanji, the Chinese um, icon for for crisis means mm-hmm. two things at the same time. It means danger and opportunity at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that blew my mind. In your case, awesome. you you had you, you basically surrendered mm-hmm. and you took the opportunity to rebuild yourself up. Yeah. Now let's let's yeah. keep moving yeah, along yeah, this yeah. this timeline. Please. So you, <laughs> I just came home from a trip being, you know, the longest time I've been home. And so it all came crashing down. Good, good timing. Good timing. Perfect. So now I know that you started working later as a salesman. Yep. What happened all really fast. That conversation with Patrick happened maybe uh, around this time in 2012. And then within a month, I had applied and got hired to my first job. <laughs> my wow. first, yeah. yeah, and it was the company that he was at, and um, uh, yeah, I struggled. Uh, I was it was sales technology for marketing technology company for small businesses, and it was everything was so foreign to me. Uh, and so my first month, I struggled, and uh, I was really on the brink of. Not even me leaving, me being fired because <laughs> I was so bad. They just didn't think I was going to make it. And um, I remember it was like maybe a couple days and anybody who's in sales and service knows these types of stories where at the end of the month is always, you know, <laughs> either the best day of your life or a really, really tough one. And so uh, it was a really, really tough one for me. And I was on the brink of, of being let go within five days of needing to meet the number uh, and I it, it happened. I got my first sale and 
up to that point, all I had ever heard about sales is that it was a numbers game mm. and that it was about luck, right? And that, that's, that's the, the connotation, the context that I had. And um, in that moment when I got that sale, it clicked for me because it, it, it told me, it assured me that it's not about numbers game and it's not about luck. It's a skill. And I did something different on that call. I did something that worked. I wasn't lucky. It wasn't the right number. You know, I made it happen. I had control again of the, the outcome because of the skill. And so when that happened and I, and you know, it was a very uh, celebrative type of culture. So I got to go hit the gong and right. everybody cheered. <laughs> And that did it for me. When I hit that gong and everybody cheered, the office lost their shit because it was my first right. deal. I was like, wow, you know, I have purpose again. Uh -huh. uh, I, I, I can win again. I felt winning again. Um, and again, control for the first time, right? Oh, wow, that was a skill. And then from there, I got obsessed. I, so what I learned, the lesson that I learned of why that sale happened was my tonality. Mm. I was in a very positive mindset that day and it translated on the phone and it it, it 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 clicked for me. So what I did was I ran home. I start. I was dating Abigail, who's my wife now, and we had just started dating. And she's an actor, and so I brought the script home, and I said, "I need you to teach me how to read this script." And then I told her what I was trying to communicate at every single point of the script, and she we practice and we practice right like a, any other skill, yes. any other craft. Practice, practice, and then within four months, I was already promoted. And you know, blew up, and the rest is history. Oh, so. Wow! <laughs> Basically, so you combined a, the skill of mm -hmm. sales with the skill of acting mm -hmm. through the script. Yeah, tonality—the way we mm -hmm. say things, right? We can say the words, the same words, say it a different way, and it means something different. Mm -hmm. And that's what I learned. That's the skill—the first tactical sales communication skill that made sense to me, and I went after and practiced. Uh, and that's what helped me get successful really fast. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's keep approaching mm -hmm. more and more to blended sense yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. So I know that you, over the years in different companies, mm -hmm. have trained even people, mm -hmm. right? So uh, tell me about it, about that, please. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as I mentioned, the culture was very mm -hmm. celebratory. And um, what made... Uh, that first company that I worked at, the headquarters was in New York City, uh -huh. and the big sales and service office was here in Austin. So that's actually how I got to Austin. Yeah. But what made that company so special wasn't its product, it wasn't its technology, it was its sales culture hmm. and organization. They created a bigger than life environment for anybody who stepped through that door as a sales and service person. And that was special, you know? Uh, and what I mean by that is, celebrations, rewards, development, coaching, mm -hmm. right? Real coaching and development, right? Hey, come on, let's go break down the phone call. And that stuff really makes people find and, and gravitate towards its purpose, right? They feel part of a team. Mm -hmm. They feel part of a bigger picture. They feel like everything that they do impacts the, the organization. And so that's what made that so special. And I was able to really dive into that and, and and understand it uh, uh, because of baseball, because it was very similar to sports. It was very similar to building teams and competing mm. day in and day out. And so it was very relatable to me. And so when I was promoted first, I, was, uh, I, I got to see the organization from many different angles. My first promotion was as the first data specialist in the New York City office. 
what that meant was I was seeing the business in numbers and spreadsheets. Mm. And then my job was to help make sure that all the reps on the floor had the right leads for their skill set, right, and their expertise. And then also talk to the sales managers about their reps from a numbers perspective and say, mm. hey, this rep right here needs help on the front end of their process because they're not making enough dials. So that means they're not confident. Mm. Hey, this rep is making a lot of dials. They're setting a lot of appointments, but they're not closing. Mm. There's, there's a refinement that needs to happen here. Let's listen to these calls. They're maybe not asking for the business, right? Mm. Maybe they're running a lot of demos without the decision makers on the call, but something's happening on the back end of the process. And here's the numbers to justify that. And that was my job. And I did that for, four months and that was so cool coming from baseball out of all the sports metrics and numbers right and percentages like that's what that's what baseball is right in today modern anybody seen Moneyball? yeah with you know who's i believe it's brad pitt, it's brad pitt. yeah brad pitt thank you. yep thank you nigel moreau uh <laughs> yeah brad pitt but uh that story is all about um the Oakland Athletics copying the Boston Red Sox, basically, and how they started running their organization, which led them to a World Series. Um, but And then after that, I became a manager, aerial sales manager. I ran my own team of, of, of sales reps. Then, I, then the reason that they moved me to Austin, Texas, was they needed a sales training manager out here to position the company for an exit. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved to Austin, I was training 30 reps every single month for until the company exited. Um, so I got to meet a lot of Austin Knights real fast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, going back to what turned into now, mm -hmm. what blended sense yeah. is, how did you get with the, how did the inception of the idea mm -hmm. emerge? Yeah. So it was a culmination of events and over time, and as you mentioned, I worked for various startups. Um, but at Yodel, the first thing that happened was when I came down as a trainer, out of the 30 or so reps every month that I was training, 60% mm -hmm. of them were creatives of some sort. Mm -hmm. Musicians, you know, lyricists, songwriters, videographers, photographers, that for whatever reason were putting their passion to the side, either selling their equipment and coming to take this mm -hmm. job, but they were making a career pivot because of financial needs, mm -hmm. right? And that, and that was the same month over month over month. A, a, a high amount of, of the people that are coming to Yodo were creatives of some mm. sort, making a career pivot for financial needs. And that was just interesting to me. I didn't think anything of it. Blended sense didn't pop up into my head. But that was very unique and interesting. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's what's happening here, right? Um, and what we learned was uh, people tend to think that creative folk may not be good at sales, but they're ex excellent storytellers. Mm. So the moment you can equip them with the weapons and the skills around sales and service and they translate it and understand it they actually become really good salespeople. Um, and so that was the first thing that happened. The second one was I, uh, I was the fifth employee at another company after Yodel and uh, that comp company was OpCity. So as the fifth employee, now I was actually building for the first time and got to see a startup that sold within two years for $200 million start from the ground up. Uh, and that made me, I think, uh, as, it, as it probably would other entrepreneurs, made me realize, wow, I can do this myself hmm. for the first time. And now for the first time since baseball, I was like, here's the platform for me to go do exactly what I was trying to do with baseball. 
because even making good money, six figures, right? Wow, thank goodness. People where I come from, it's not a reality, hmm. right? So for me, I was already winning. Why the heck did I want to now start something and, put, and risk it all, right? But, but Op City kind of made me feel that for the first time. I was like, okay, wow, this is how you do it. This is what needs to happen. Great. Let me, let me learn how to do that myself, right? So question, question, question. Yeah, yeah. If you were already succeeding at the other company, Yodel, right? Mm -hmm. What made you decide to go to, okay, let's start from almost barely nothing. And yeah. What was the thought process there? Yeah, well, the, the Yodel founders pitched me mm. to come to OpCity. So it was a new opportunity. When they exited the company, they all exited, right? And uh -huh. went to start their own stuff. Um, it was a little bit of that and then also opportunity to learn. I, was, I felt like I had mastered Yodel at least, right? So I mastered that environment and that, that product and that skill and I wanted to learn what was next. And that was it. Uh, real estate was also always very interesting to me. From a social dynamic, I felt like it plays a big part into why there's so much social red tape, mm -hmm. right? And why um, people that look like me and look like you don't get to live in places that we would probably enjoy very much in this country, right? And so that was interesting. I wanted to learn that. I didn't know real estate or understand it. I'm from the city. You know, the chances of me buying a place in New York City are, are slim to none, right? Most, most more than likely. Uh, I would hope to change those odds as I, as I keep going in life. But uh, that was also interesting. And then, you know, um, something that I think I've, I've mentioned before, but but people may not realize is that at that point as well of having reached a, a master-esque level of a, of a craft and knowing how impactful that type of craft is for business mm -hmm. building, sales, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I also wasn't any longer dependent upon someone else's philosophy and following someone else's philosophy. Mm -hmm. I started to create my own, right? And started to understand, man, for me, it was all about this way, this craft, can help people, communities like mine, have a legitimate opportunity to make good money legally, right? <laughs> right? In, in technology. What? So now more Dominicans, more Colombians, more African Americans can step into the technology world, which is, you know, where everything's heading. This is a route. And that's what I got obsessed about, right? I was like, wow, this is a path. And so that's why I enjoy managing. That's why I enjoy training. That's why I enjoy equipping people with the skill set. Because I know it can be very powerful for the individual, for their families, and their communities. Um, the last place I was at was Main Street Hub, who sold to GoDaddy. And that's where the aha moment, the culmination of all these things came to be. Um, they were a review platform and social media platform for, for small businesses. And at this point, I had tens and thousands of phone calls with small businesses. Mm intimate phone calls. These are all emotional sales. Wow. So it's not just about, hey, do you want the product or not? You get to really talk to people, understand them, listen to their stories. And the enthusiasm went from 10 years ago, how do I get a website on the front page? How do I get a website on the internet? How do I get it on the front page? To now, how do I get photos and videos for my business? And that enthusiasm switch, I was able to hear it for over eight years now working in the industry, right? That, tens of thousands of calls. And as I did research, there was no companies out there only focused on getting high quality production and these media assets that are now essential for business in the hands of small business owners who need them the most. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that was it. That was the kind of aha moment. At the same time, Abigail on the other side of the coin uh, was struggling with creative services and, and establishing cash flow and a business sense for her uh, doing her craft. And so we came together and said, hey, there's got to be a better way for these two groups to interact and talk mm -hmm. to each other and work together and uh, impact each other's lives because they're all hanging out in the same community, right? So how do we bring them together and, and make some magic happen? That makes sense. And what I find fascinating is I see you're, you are so good at finding patterns. It's unbelievable. And, I, and my, my guess is that it comes from your baseball background mm -hmm. that you can see data and patterns here, patterns here, yeah. and start yeah, yeah, crafting. Yeah. How, how is, is that? Is that along the lines? I think, I don't know where it comes from, but that's, I don't know how you identify one of my superpowers. You can't be telling people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's attention to detail, maybe, um, but I think it's what you needed to do to survive where I came from. Mm. I, I just, you know, I think it comes from knowing that there's danger everywhere. <laughs> that was just the truth, right? In the 90s in Washington Heights, just going to school, you, you know, you prayed that you made it back and forth, right? Wow. And so I think that my mom always, we would go, let's say we went out to go get food one night, right? And we were walking. We would never walk back the same path. Really? To disrupt the pattern, right? Huh. So, I don't know, naturally, day in and day out, if you're trying to survive and pay attention to the patterns, uh, it became something that I, I, I naturally was aware of everything and everything I did, right? Um, I would always, that, that always helped me with my teammates, knowing who's going to have a good day versus a bad day, who needed some more support versus no support, uh, is just being really, really observant of people's patterns and what they did. And, and um, uh, it has definitely helped me in business. It helped me with all the gigs I've had, and it's helped me with building Blended Sense, mm. without a doubt. Nice. I never knew someone recognized that, though. <laughs> this is the first time someone tells me, hey, I see you doing this. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> so let me take us back to that moment. Mm -hmm. where, or let's, let's bring it this way. I've heard that you still dream in Spanish. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. How Very come? true. I don't know what that, you know, you tell me. I feel like you would yeah. know the answer. <laughs> Um, no, but I think it, it brings us back to, to childhood because mm -hmm. you are someone who's connected with community. You have a deeper sense for community. Where does it come from? Yeah, from growing up in 551 West 174th Street. Mm. It was a community, it was parents that had kids in a foreign land mm. with a foreign language that needed to be together to make sure that their kids survived. Mm. And so in my building, it's five, five floors, four apartments. Mm -hmm. You knew everybody, mm, yeah. every name, every person that right. came in and out. You knew the patterns, right? And if a, something, you know, a random person was in the building, yeah. my mom would go to the phone. Hey, Isabel, there's a guy knocking on your door. I've never seen him before. Who is that? You know, wow. it was like that. It was like that. And so that, I think that's where it comes from. Nice. And your connection, yeah, your Dominican roots, mm -hmm. Are, I, I find them fascinating how passionate you're about the Latin culture, and mm -hmm. not, not only Latin culture, mm -hmm. but how do you see minorities or, and how we can impact what you're doing in, in the world Absolutely. you already Well, here in, in the U.S., it's almost shameful or bad to speak another language sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Especially growing up, uh, it was like, 
because I speak Spanish, that's a bad thing. I'm less, right? Mm. But the irony is Spanish is the second most spoken language in the world next to Mandarin. So English is not even one and two, right? It's three. <laughs> uh, and so um, I have a strong passion of just helping people get out of their own way to understand that we're not better than the other person, that there's an equality to it, that there's an opportunity to it, that, hey, listen for a second, right? Receive without any judgment for a second. Mm. And I think language plays a big part of that because people feel uncomfortable when they hear a different language that they don't understand. Mm. Why are you feeling comfortable, right? Are you, is there assumption that there's bad intentions around you? And if that's, a, that's so, then let's, let's understand that. And um, I think that being able to remove language color of skin and just focus on culture more than anything giving respect to culture and giving space to understand other people's cultures will bring us more together no matter what language we speak mm. um, and I think that that's the part that never gets to come to surface because we're so focused on oh he speaks Spanish I don't mm-hmm. right or she speaks this I don't um, and that's that's it nice so now let's come back to the present talking about culture. Basically, you have created your own team, your mm-hmm. own high-performing team, and you're, you keep building it at Blended Sense. And we're going to talk a little bit of what Blended Sense does right mm-hmm. now, and how, can you also explain how are you fostering the creation of this very healthy community? Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, it starts with having a team, right, uh, that understands the vision, that is behind the vision, that has lived it. And, um, and sees the problem that we're trying to solve. And I think mm-hmm. we have that mostly because naturally us being very vocal about the vision and the mission from the beginning attracted the right people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, that's the key is that we do have the right people. And that, that hasn't happened overnight. That's happened over two years. It's happened with a lot of loss as well, losing the, the wrong people, right? Or the people that weren't the right fit. Um, And then uh, as far as, you know, what Blend Sense is exactly, we're, we found two parts of the community that we feel like are in isolation. The creative professional uh, who struggles with accounting, project management, and customer service, mm-hmm. right? And therefore, one out of two struggles with cash flow. A creative, if you ask them today, someone who runs their business and who does decent for themselves and is very skilled at what they do, and you ask them which, what costs more, a new customer or keeping a customer not everybody not every creative is going to know the answer to that hmm. right they're going to think that keeping a customer is going to cost more than going to get a new one and that's why creatives tend to go from project to project to project hmm. right and so that exhaustion of onboarding a new client that exhaustion hmm. of revi- you know really honing in it starts to wear on you then you hit a cap and now you can't make more money right And your expense of time and costs is really high. And then on the other hand, you got the small business who struggles with time, resources, and know-how and is really playing catch-up forever and ever. Since the time of small businesses, they've been playing catch-up when it comes to marketing and advertising because they're not the CEOs who have a CMO who's day, day in and day out keeping tabs of the trends, what's happening, all the different platforms, all the different ways to market mm-hmm. yourself, and then coming to the CEO with all that information and knowledge and then the CEO being educated on how to move forward mm. and having foresight. Small business owner doesn't have that, right? Even with a, if they have a marketing background themselves, that needs to take a backseat mm. to accounting, right? To sales, <laughs> uh, 
to doing all the things that actually keep your business running. And so these two people, these two groups, creatives, small businesses, same community, in isolation with these challenges, we felt like technology could really bring them together and alleviate those mm. things so that they can just focus on stimulating the local economy together, mm. right? Uh, the creative is the small business owner's marketer. There's a small business owner's customer. So if we can find a way to get the small business owners the services that they need reliably, accessibly, and then put that some of that money back in the pocket of the creatives in that local community, now that creative has some extra cash to go mm -hmm. spend on that restaurant, on that gift shop, right? Um, and that's the whole that's the whole purpose of, of what we're doing. Yeah, I find it. The, the, when we started talking about blended sins a while ago, I said that I have never heard before. And it's fascinating because like you said, even creating content like this, it requires so much effort sometimes, mm -hmm. hours and hours of editing. And uh, that's something that I would say time is the, is the most precious resource mm -hmm. that a business owner has. Mm -hmm. And if it's gone, it's gone, yeah. right? Yeah. So you guys help people like me and others too. Well, the marketplace is demanding you to communicate day in and day out digitally across dozens of platforms. Mm. This demand, and, and I say this all the time, we can't, as business owners, we can't get mad at anyone. Mm. It's the consumer. They're the ones that, that are dictating this. They're the ones that move. It's not anyone's, you know, you can't point to someone and say, why did you make me have to create videos on Facebook? <laughs> It's your consumer. It's the person and the people that you built your product or service for. They're the ones that want that. And so we, you know, got to get away from that uh, mindset. And, and part of the Blended Sense mission is to educate the small business owner. Mm. And, it, and it's, that's probably the biggest order that mm. we have. It's the education around media, around social media, around the internet, around communication online, right? Around photo, strategy. video, strategy, wow. all of that. And um, we're excited about it. Nice. On, on the flip side, the creatives mm -hmm. also have educational resources uh, that you provide. 100%. Uh, mostly around sales and service. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, we, we uh, pre-pandemic, we would do a monthly um, meetup mm -hmm. where we would bring in experts around project management, customer nice. service, and accounting. Uh, and we still do other things that, that uh, we provide resources around, but those monthly meetups were incredible because for the first time a creative freelancer and others in a classroom setting mm -hmm. were hearing from a sales professional that wasn't teaching them how to sell somebody else's product or service mm -hmm. right but really helped them understand how to position themselves as a as a product and service mm -hmm. uh, and that was and, and will continue to be very impactful in what we do for the creative pro that's so interesting. It sounds to me that you guys are helping the business owners to become a Open little more artsy, right? <laughs> yeah. And the, the creatives yeah. to be a little more salesy or yeah, more yeah. businessy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so Which funny. Is... And they're both business owners. Right. right? Oh, you're right. And that's another, that's a mindset for the creative too, is to understand you're a business mm. owner, right? And what does that mean? Um, mm. If you want to be, because there's also the difference between art and creative services, mm. right? And if, if you want to make art, bless you, make art. All day, every day. Then you have the, the the beautiful force field that no one can really should it uh, impact you through criticism or judgment. Uh, it's yours, right? Some people get hurt by it, but the fact is, when you make art, that's the beauty of it. You made something that wasn't there yesterday, and that's yours. That's your gift to the world. Mm -hmm. But when you're offering your services, right, your creative services, you're entering the business world. 
Right. There is going to be interaction. There's, there's going to be expectations. expectations. That's it. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. There's expectations versus not. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. Uh, how are we doing with time? It's 11.54. Do you have still yeah, time? Five more minutes. Five more minutes? <laughs> Man, I don't know how I'm going to cram 34 <laughs> questions in this. I feel like we went through decades of material already. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the tip of the iceberg. So let's talk about... Okay, let me go straight into something that is very deep. Um, now let's talk about you. What are your daily habits or routines mm -hmm. that they, they are amassed for you to, to be your best version yeah. in the day-to-day? -day. Wow. Those keep evolving. They change. I just became a dad. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what was two years ago is now different. Uh, but today, it, I feel very strongly that without taking a moment in the morning to make sure that your, your immediate space, both physically, mentally, and spiritually are in place mm. that nothing else can be good for the rest of the day. And I know it like day, days that I do it and days that I don't is so clear mm. uh, when I'm rushing, right? When I'm behind, uh, it causes the rest of the day to feel that way. Mm. And so today, really what that means for us is family time is making sure that uh, Oliver, my son is fed and that he feels good, right? That his, mm -hmm. he's got his change of clothes and he feels fresh. It's uh, for me, um, it's when I get the opportunity to make sure that Abby is ready to go and that I can make food for her and uh, that we all get a moment. We sit at the table, right? We do a lot of prayer together uh, in the morning and in the night um, just to, to remind ourselves that, man, this is none, none of this we take for granted. Uh, we appreciate life in our house. And I think that that's if, if you would walk into my home and into my space, you would feel right away that this is a place where people appreciate living hmm. and that they appreciate being alive um, and are enthusiastic about that. Hmm. Uh, so I think that, that, that that's the main routine in my home. <laughs> Everything else yeah. changes as it goes. Yeah, so I yeah will say it's going to keep evolving with the little Oliver. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Nice. So um, there is something that I wanted to ask you, and it is how... How or what lessons do you extract from partnerships? Because mm -hmm. not only it's business, but romantic partnerships that mm -hmm. have shaped what brought you or what is now blended sense. So yeah. what are your lessons that you can extrapolate? From each? Man, partnership, it's still, it's something I haven't mastered yet. Um, I think uh, partnerships are a tough one. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you say partnerships, are you talking about personal Partnerships and business, or, yeah. because at least for my experience, and let me give you a little bit of context, mm -hmm. there are laws or principles that can apply from one to the other. And mm -hmm. I said, whoa, I have never thought about that. So yeah. I wanted to get your opinion on that. Yeah. Well, the personal partnership, uh, obviously, Abigail and I have had the privilege of building together and mm -hmm. we're husband and wife. And there are so many amazing things that come with that. Uh, and then there's also a lot of challenges that come with that. Uh, the challenges are reminding that we are two identities mm. and that although we all we both have common objectives, we have different ways to obtain those objectives um, and there's not one, one way or the other. But because we have a partnership, an intimate partnership, it's hard to detract, like remove ourselves from that, right? Mm. If, right. if we weren't a personal partnership and we're working together, then I wouldn't be, see the way right. she goes about it or back, vice versa, right? Uh, so that's the challenge. When it comes to business partnerships, my goodness, it's knowing that no matter what, they have their own goals, 
And so partnerships tend to be difficult for me because when you look at a partnership, you're like, wow, this has so much potential and ability. And the fact of the matter is it may, but this entity and this entity have two different Mm. tracks and paths, right? And sometimes you try to force it too much, right? Or you don't engage enough. Uh, and then it leaves people feeling, oh, well, this is not worth it or valuable for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that, that can just cause friction. So I think with partnerships, expectation setting, transparency, communication, just like personal partnerships mm-hmm. are so important. So expectations, transparency, and communication. And any- A question that you could give the audience to help them expand or open their minds. A question. Man. What are you afraid of? What is it that makes you feel so uncomfortable? What is it that literally makes you feel like out of your own body, out of your own element? And when you find that out, identify, you know, what what is it about that that makes me feel so afraid? And I would say lean into it. Uh, You got to, you have to, you have to come to closure with it. Sometimes it may be like, oh, wow, I really can't do this. I just can't, it's not for me, that's okay. But when we don't ask ourselves what is it that we're afraid of and then when we don't meet it head on, it lingers and it stays there and it's loud and it gets louder and louder and louder and it just blocks us from being able to move, right? To, to It paralyzes us. And I think par- being still in a forced way, not in a way where you've made yourself still and, and stopped everything around. But if you're being paralyzed from exterior forces, that's, that's <laughs> tough. That feels to me, I've been there, I've done that. Mm. And it feels like being trapped, being alone, being like you can't get out of it. Um, so I would say, what are you afraid of? Um, be honest with yourself. And then figure out what that means for you, because <laughs> yeah, it's different for everybody. <laughs> you know, I don't have the, I don't know what the answer is, but I Got just it. know that, that that question needs to be Correct. asked. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And now, finally, where can we find you guys on the net? On the net, everywhere. I hope <laughs> if the team's doing a good job. But uh, yeah, we're on socials at Blended Sense um, and uh, our website BlendedSense.com. Uh, myself, I'm pretty active on Instagram, uh, Twitter as of recent, since nice. the next season. Uh, late to Twitter, but I'm, I'm actually really loving it. And, um, and then also our YouTube channel uh, is a great place to find resources and then also behind the scenes of all the things that we're doing here at Blended Sense. Nice. Thanks, Albert. And really, I will need to reach out to you guys because <laughs> clearly my handwriting is not that good. <laughs> I need help from creatives. Yeah, yeah. So this was awesome. It was great. Thank you so much, Albert. Thank I you. really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. you taking we'll the time. We'll have to get a, a second round in Spanish, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Translate it for the folks. Right. So thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that you have had the time to have a, a conversation with me, with Albert, and to learn a lot from his experience. Uh, you can find us on youtube.com slash JJ Please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. See you in the next episode.